A career in music usually implies a certain lifestyle, usually one of excess and substance abuse. But what the world sees as a rock star lifestyle actually produces a lonely and painful climb down the ladder of success, which is exactly the climb that the man in today's story embarked on. How do you cope when you have it all and lose it all? Let's find out. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. Yes, and that includes sound effects. I'm Timothy Gregory, bringing you the story of a man who was born blind, but overcame the odds and rose to country music fame, only to have the world turn a blind eye to him when he needed help the most. We'll see just who ignored the fame and fortune and looked straight at his heart on today's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. Let's get to it, folks. The classic true story of Bob Gardner. I'm coming, I'm coming. Well, why didn't you say it was you? You wouldn't have heard me, Ma. What in the world's going on? Oh, Ma, she's dead. Huh? Oh, what? My wife is dead. She's gone, Ma. She, she died in childbirth. Oh, no, son. <laughs> well, what about the baby? He's alive, but she ain't. What am I going to do now, Ma? We'll take care of him, I reckon. I can't, Ma. The doctor says he's blind. She didn't live long enough to know it, but he's blind. Bring him here to me, son. I'll take care of him best I can. I'm coming. I'm coming. It's about time, Bessie. I about pounded the door down. What say? I had a terrible time making you here. Who's here? I said I couldn't make you here. Who? Me. I'm here. That's who. Well. So I see. Nothing wrong with my eyes. Never mind. I come to tell you about that grandson of yours. Well, let me fix my ear horn. Uh, there. Now. What is it? That blind boy of yours. Well, what about him? My wife said he's been climbing trees all morning with the other boys. He's gonna break his neck. Did he fall? No, he didn't. What he did do was push my wagon and it started it rolling down the hill. It went two blocks. It's a wonder somebody wasn't killed. Did you hear what I said? I sure did, Mr. Thistle. So where's that boy now? I'll make him stay here inside until his grandpa gets home. Oh, land's sake, he sure is a handful. The man in our story was that blind boy who thrashed his way into the world until the world nearly thrashed him. This is Bob Gardner's remarkable true testimony from the classic files of Unshackled. I was born in Olive Springs, Tennessee, and raised by my grandparents. Grandma was already up in years when she took me in, and I kept her life from being dull. I was 11 when family members led me into her bedroom very early in the morning. She was lying in bed, very quiet and very tired, judging by the sound of her voice. Robert, come here. Yes, Grandma? Hold out your hand. 
Listen to me, Robert. Now, pay attention. Uh-huh. Robert, I'm going to die and go to heaven. No, not yet. Yes, honey. But it's all right. I know the Lord Jesus will take me, and I'll be in heaven with him. Now, Robert, listen to me. I want you to meet me there. You promise? I will, Grandma. I will. My grandfather wasn't able to take care of me, so I was sent to the Nashville School for the Blind. I learned a lot there. One of my best friends was a boy named Earl. He could see a little, and his feeble eyes served both of us. We had many schoolboy adventures, but the most daring escapade was when we ran away from school. Our escape took us down a steep, rocky bank, a low cliff that must have been a railroad cut. Earl led the way and told me where to put my hands and feet. Move your foot further down, Bob. That's it. Don't be scared. I ain't. Not yet, leastways. A am I down yet? Almost. Take my hand. There. Now we can start walking. Where are we? By some railroad tracks. We can walk along the ties. This ain't easy. You can always go back. No, I can do it. There's trees off to the side. Hold up a minute, Bob. What is it? Some kind of bridge, I reckon? Seems like the tracks go across the bridge. Well, then come on back before you fall. Okay, I'm coming, Bob. Just stand still. What do we do now? Reckon we just gotta cross it. But we'll have to be awful careful. It's just rails and ties. Nothing underneath. Awful easy to let your foot slip through. I'm game if you are. Okay, let's get started then. You reach out and feel for the next tie. I'll tell you when you're missing it. Uh, all right. There. I found it. You sure did. Now another step. Fine. Now another. Sure is slow going, Earl. How long do you think this old bridge is, anyway? No telling. We'll just have to take it one step at a time until we get to the other side. Then we'll know. Yeah, we sure will. We must have made a strange sight, two boys inching along a railroad trestle. Earl had to squat down to even see the ties in my feet, and I moved entirely by his advice and what I could feel. We were so slow that what happened next was almost inevitable. Listen. Sounded like a train. Shh. It is a train. What do we do now? Hurry as fast as we can and get to the other side before it gets here. Put your foot there, Bob. All right. Next step. Too far. There. Now take another. I'm too slow, Earl. You could go a lot faster by yourself. Never mind that. Next step. She's coming awful fast, Bob. Next step. Go on, Earl. Run. I ain't leaving you. Next step. No, we ain't gonna make it. The end of the bridge may just be yonder. Next step. Might be a mile, too. Go on. Run. Shut up. Next step. I can feel the bridge shaking, Earl. So can I. Hey. What is it? I can see someone over here at the side. Some kind of little platform beside the track. Can we get on it? Gonna try. Here, walk along the tie. That's it. Now step over the rail and grab my hand. Oh, that was awful close. Yeah. Lucky this platform's here. Oh, wonder what it's for. Oh no, some kind of big barrel too. Full of water. 
Oh, what do you know? After the train passed, we worked our way across the trestle safely. That night, we slept in an empty railroad station in a small town. But the next morning, a man spotted us and turned us over to authorities who took us back to the school for the blind. The principal whipped us for taking that adventure. Soon after that, they sent me to live with my dad and stepmother. Robert, didn't they teach you anything at the school you attended? Can't you at least make your own bed? I'm blind, remember? I thought they taught you basic things. I mean, I don't expect you to cook or anything, but you can pick up after yourself. I don't need you telling me what to do. I'm just trying to help you. You're just trying to run my life. Someday you'll have to be on your own. That's what you want, ain't it? You just want to get rid of me. No! I just want you to learn to help yourself. You ain't my mama, so don't tell me what to do. No, I'm your stepmother. We thought you'd want to live with us. Don't make no difference to me where I live. She tried, but I had too much attitude. And after a while, they sent me to live at the School for the Blind in Louisville, Kentucky. There, I learned to tune pianos. I also played guitar and sang. One day, I met a boy named Lester, but everyone called him Mac. Like me, he was totally blind. You like hillbilly music, Bob? Don't everybody? Most everybody. I've heard you play guitar and you're good, buddy. Oh, thanks. I practice a lot. Yeah, you have a good singing voice, too. I've heard you. How'd you like to team up with me and play in the county fair coming up this summer? You play mandolin, don't you, Mac? Yep, I play a mean mandolin. Got it with you? Sure do. Let's go at it. Might even start with local dances. Sure, if you can get somebody to drive us there. Now it's called country western music, and Mac and I became a phenomenon. Everywhere we played, folks seemed to take to the two blind entertainers. After a couple of years of barnstorming around, we had a chance to make some records, and they sold well. Then we went to New York and recorded an old Civil War song called When the Roses Bloom Again. And that record sold two million copies. We were riding high and going places. So, what do you think, Bob? <laughs> I think I was made for this life. Let's talk about a new radio program starting here in Chicago. A uh, country music format. We, we can get in on the ground floor if we want. Uh, I'm not sure I want that, Mac. I'm going to California. Hollywood. Hollywood? Well, Los Angeles. That's where the big recording studios are. We're doing all right here, Bob. Why go? Well, itchy feet, I guess. Never been to California. I hear the weather's a lot warmer. I sure hate to see you go. Come along, buddy. Nah, I like it here. Don't want to learn a new town. Well, I guess that's it then. Yeah, I guess so. How you gonna get there? <laughs> In style, on the train. I booked a Pullman car with the drawing room. I went to California and caroused at bars, but the money flowed out faster than it came in. And within a few months, I was flat broke. Folks, we'll get back to Bob's story in just a moment. But first, I want to share a bit about how our ministry is able to bring hope to people all over the world. Unshackled is now in its 73rd year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of, well, supporters like you. 
When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, talented actors, as you can hear, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we're able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link, if there's one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org. That's unshackledpodcast.org, and then click the donate button. Or you can always write a check, Unshackled, we take checks. You mail that check to... 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. We thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now, let's get back to Bob's story. Another drink, gents? Yeah, same way. Ah, I see we're about to be serenaded. You hired a singer? No, look out the window. You see the tall guy out there with the guitar? Yeah, what about him? He'll be coming in here pretty soon wanting to give us some music. That guy acts blind. Sure is. Hey, I've seen him before. Is he really blind or is he just pretending? Really blind, can't see a thing. You gonna let him play that thing in here? Sure, why not? That's high-priced entertainment there, buddy. <laughs> high-priced entertainment, huh? Price of a drink? No, I'm not kidding. You ever hear a record called When the Roses Bloom Again? Sure, who hasn't? Well, that's the guy that made it. Him and his partner. You kidding me? It's true. Recordings, radio show, the barn dance. That guy's been on top. That's Bob Gardner. And now he sings for a drink. Oh, that's life. Even I knew something had to be done. I had gone to Los Angeles in a Pullman car, but now I was broke. I booked a few engagements and scraped up enough cash to buy a jalopy and a trailer, and someone drove me back to Chicago where Mac and I teamed up again. Soon, we were back on top, making personal appearances all over the country. While doing a radio show in Pittsburgh, I stayed at the Fort Pitt Hotel and ate in the dining room. That's where I met Francis. Well, Mr. Gardner, how are you today? Just fine. You eat all your meals in here? Sure do. Once you learn your way around, it's easier. I see you're as pretty as ever. Thank you, sir. You see I'm as pretty? <laughs> well, you sound like it anyway. A man doesn't need eyes to see beauty in someone. Are you sure your ears are all right? Pretty sure. What do you look like? <sighs> Never mind. Are you ready to order? My boss will fire me for malingering if I don't get busy. Oh, well, why don't you read me what's on the menu? Take my advice and try the pot roast. It's delicious. You're the judge, so bring on the pot roast. Coming right up. Oh, oh one more thing. Something I can't tell by ear. What's that? I can't hear what's on the fourth finger of your left hand. Nothing, Mr. Gardner. Nothing at all. Not long after that, I made sure that Frances did have a ring on her finger, as we were married in 1939. Everything was great, except for me. I just couldn't seem to settle down. During the next three years, I did so much carousing that Frances got fed up. That you, honey? Yes, it is, Bob. Good, I was wondering what took you so long. I'm getting kind of hungry. You'd better learn to get yourself something to eat, Bob. Well, why would I go and do that when you're such a good cook? Because I won't be around much longer. What? What do you mean? There's a war going on, you know. Yeah, I know, but not in this country. No, but I want to help. 
So I joined the Women's Army Corps. You what? I didn't even know there was such a thing. It was just formed, so I enlisted. You're gonna leave me, Francis? I'm gonna serve my country. Well, what am I supposed to do? What you always do, Bob. Sing and drink. That was 1942, and she left. And me, I kept right on drinking. When the war ended and Francis came home, things were pretty much the same. Mac and I were invited to New York to celebrate our 25th year in show business. I thought we'd be back on top, but nothing happened after that. Nothing at all. I wasn't a star anymore, and I drank harder than ever. Then Francis took sick, and I was so worried, I prayed for the first time in years. Lord, I've strayed for a long time, and you know it, and so do I. But I want to do better, Lord. It's about Francis. If she can just get up and around again, I'll do better. That's a promise. I'm coming. Just a minute. Hello there. We just stopped by to invite you folks to a revival our church is having next week. Mm, don't know if I can make it. I'm blind. Maybe someone could bring you? Ordinarily, my wife would, but she's very sick. I can't even get out of bed. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Would you mind if we come in and pray for her? Not at all. I just prayed for her myself. Come on in. Um, which way? Follow me. Oh, hi. Nice to meet you. You have a lovely home. Honey, I'm bringing some folks in to pray for you. They prayed and left. And by the time the revival started, Francis was better. So she attended the service. Folks, you cannot make yourself good enough to go to heaven. God's standard is too high. You must be perfect, and there's only one man who was perfect, the Lord Jesus Christ. So God made heaven a gift. How do you receive that gift? Well, first, recognize that you don't deserve it. The Bible says they are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemns sin in the flesh, because the wages of sin is death. So, Jesus took your sin to the cross, and he became sin for us. He who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Friend, Christ gave himself for you. Won't you give yourself to him? Listen, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come now. Hi, honey. I'm home. I heard you. How was that revival? Fine. And so am I. Can't you tell? You sound pretty chipper. I can tell that. I should say so, Bob Gardner. You've got a new wife. Say what? I'm a brand new woman. A new creature in Christ, the pastor said. <laughs> Take it easy now. It's true. I received Jesus as my savior tonight, and that means I've got a whole new life, here and later in heaven. That's funny. What's funny? I haven't heard that kind of talk since I lived with my grandmother. You sound just like her. She must have been a Christian. 
She was all the way. While Frances lived her new life unmistakably real, I tried to go on the way I'd been. I had promised God to do better, but couldn't. Secretly, I knew I was on the road to hell, but I didn't want to surrender to Christ to admit that I couldn't change on my own. One day, Francis turned on a Christian radio station and left it there all day. A song came on that pierced my heart. Standing alone in the hall, I heard every word. And I quietly went upstairs, felt my way along the hall to my own room. Alone with God, I prayed a simple prayer. Lord, I repent of my sins against you. Please, take me and give me the same new life you've given Francis. Even if you hadn't told me you were saved, I would have known by the change in you, Bob. Really? Definitely. The Lord has softened you. The guys I work with call me preacher. That's a good thing. Means you're telling them about salvation. I try to talk about Christ when I can. I've given them those little booklets we got at church, too. I'm so proud of you. I just wish I could do more. I know what you mean. I think we ought to be doing more for the Lord, too. But if he wanted us somewhere else, wouldn't he open the door? That's what I tell myself, but I'm not sure. Maybe you're supposed to step out in faith and trust him to open the door when the right time comes. Do you have that kind of faith, Bob? No, I don't. I tell myself that... It's enough to sing in churches and down at Pacific Garden Mission, but I think God expects more of us than that. Let's pray about it, honey. So we kept praying, but nothing happened. No door opened. For two years, I waited. Then I made a decision. You gave your resignation at the radio station? Why? You know why, honey. I want to serve the Lord in ministry. Are you sure you're doing the right thing, Bob? Well, the boss asked me the same thing. I told him I'd never worked for a finer organization, and it's true. The barn dance has meant a lot to me. But I think it's time to step out and work full-time for Christ. It's a bit scary, but I'm with you, honey. He said folks will wonder what happened to me and wanted to know what they should tell them. What do you say? That I'm working for the Lord now. The radio station reaches a lot of people, Bob. So everyone who listens will know about your salvation. Hello? Mr. Gardner? Yes, this is Bob Gardner. I got your name from Mutual Friend. I'm with the Christian League for the Handicapped, and we're looking for someone like you to work for us. Would you consider working with our ministry? Yes, ma'am. In fact, this is a direct answer to prayer. Three days ago, I quit my job to work for the Lord. So, Francis and I went into full-time Christian work. In 1957, we went on staff at Pacific Garden Mission in deputation work and counseling. I also gave my testimony there. You may think you're not such a bad person. That's what I thought. But the Bible says, Whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. I offended in way more than one point. Country music was a god to me. Alcohol was a god to me. Having my own way was a god to me. 
You can make a God of anything, you know. But the Bible says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's one of the Ten Commandments. God wants to be first in your life. He wants to come and live in your heart to take away your stony heart and give you a heart of flesh filled with His Spirit. That's what Jesus does. He fills your life with light. He came into my heart and took away the spiritual blindness. I was born blind, but then I was born again of God's Spirit. And like the man in Scripture, I can say, one thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Our years in Christian ministry have been the happiest I've ever known. God is so good. He protected me, poured out His loving kindness all the years I walked in darkness. He gave me a godly grandmother and a loving wife, a true helpmate. God loves you. He allows misfortune to draw us closer to Him. But He's always there as a shield to those who trust Him. Do you trust Him, listening friend? Or are you still trying to make it on your own? Self-sufficiency works for a season, but there will come a time when only Christ can save you. In John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus said, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. There is no special set of words that will save you. It's a matter of the heart. If your heart is ready, you can take a step of faith by praying with us now. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe he rose again and lives forevermore, and he's able to save me now. I repent of my sins. Please save me, Lord. Come into my heart and life and change me. In your name I pray. Amen. If you need help in this crucial decision, we encourage you to call 1-888-NEED-HIM. Or let us know if you prayed and we'll send you some literature to help you walk in new life. The address? Pacific Garden Mission, 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. Now, we love hearing from our listeners here on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, so send us your questions and we'll answer them here. It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at unshackled.org or call and leave us a message at 312-281-1264. We'd love to hear from you. Now, before we get to our sweepstakes drawing info, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can even share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to review or rate our podcast and don't forget to check out our other podcasts on this same platform, Unshackled Daily Devotionals and Unshackled in Person. We appreciate your input and involvement in our ministry. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. Keep an ear out, folks, because the winner of our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast 
will be announced in a couple weeks right here on this podcast. We're excited to send out this beautiful scripture plaque engraved with Lamentations 325 to our special winner. And after that, we'll start a new drawing for a new plaque to give everyone another chance to win one of these great reminders of God's Word. And next time... Candy! You better get your skinny britches in here! Daddy, please don't spank me! You wet yourself again, didn't you? I didn't mean to! You disgust me, you know that? Candace Talbot grew up in a troubled home. You look nice. You and Daddy going somewhere? <laughs> Your Daddy's too busy building houses if he has any fun. I'm meeting someone, but none of your business who. She dreamed of the day that her problems would be behind her. Seemed like all I ever did was babysit my brothers. I was desperate to do anything to escape my crazy home. Problems have a way of following us until we meet someone who has the power to set us free. Nobody could love me after all the mistakes I've done. God made you with a purpose, Candy. He can save you from this pit you've fallen in. All you have to do is trust him. Don't miss part one of the true testimony of Candace Talbot, all on the next Unshackled. Heard in the classic true story of Bob Gardner were Brian Plaharchik, Donnie Foster, Mark Forrest, Charlie Babo, Michael Wolner, Angela Morris, and Holly Krajewski. Original music, Don Badorf. Sound effects, Michael Wallner. Sound assistant, Holly Krajewski. Recording and audio engineer, David Pierczynski. Script, Jack O'Dell and Kenitha Gabler. That's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ.